Hello. Good afternoon. Good morning. This is Open Mike Eagle. Welcome to the greatest podcast in the known universe. As voted by uh, quiet aliens. They have, um, we've sent secret ballots out via satellite into the universe. And, um, not one of them has come back in opposition. So, let it be said here first and known forever. Secret Skin is the greatest podcast in the universe. I come to you from a hotel room in Palm Springs, California. I'm here for the Jash Fest. Uh, man, it's been a pretty crazy couple of days. Um, yesterday we did a music video screening for a dark comedy late show a video that was produced by Jash uh, right after that we did a live show of the new Negroes with me and Baron Vaughn on that show we had Chris Red, Jackie Fabulous, Sam J and Reggie Watts actually did a little live drumming while Reggie Watts did musical things and it was the highlight of my forever uh, and then I did some stuff with Baron Vaughn and Doug Benson and, and Reggie Watts and we smoked too much weed on purpose on purpose needless to say um, I was like asleep by 10 o'clock it was bad but it was great and today I do a, a musical performance here it's a great job me advertising this as it's happening speaking of which I got dates coming up got a ton of rap dates coming up i feel like it is my duty to tell you about them uh, i'm gonna be in la i got an in-store at amoeba records this tuesday all ages for free i don't know that's like a big deal to me man like driving past amoeba and seeing the names that would be up on the marquee um, and just being in that record store and seeing who would be coming by i just kind of never thought that i'd be able to do something like that so uh, super cool it's a high honor and for the first time in a long time i am nervous i am visibly shaken it's gonna be a great time though then after that this thursday i'm in san francisco at the Parkside with count base dnd biasi and then uh the 13th of april i'm in brooklyn and baby's all right the 14th philadelphia kung fu necktie 15th in Ithaca at Ithaca College in Emerson Suites with Samus. Uh, 22nd of April at Denver at Lost Lake. 23rd in Norman, Oklahoma at the Norman Music Festival. And in Northwest, I'm going to be in Seattle at Barboza on May 11th. In Bellingham at the Shakedown on May 12th. And Portland, Oregon at the Bunk Bar on May 13th. Hood River, Oregon. 14th of May at the Underground Music Station. Those are all facts. No opinion there, folks. Rap shows and information surrounding them. You can always check out my dates and stuff at MikeEagle.net, which is no longer hacked. <laughs> it is now porn free. Jeez. That was a that was a rough couple of weeks. Um bittersweet to find out that my website was hacked via a constant stream of people telling me that my website is hacked so learning for the first time that people actually visit my website 
That was fun. Go to MikeEagle.net some more. Because now you can. And you won't see any boobs. Oh, man. Okay. On this episode of the program, I have a talk with comedian, actor Nick Thune. Been looking forward to talking to Nick for a while. I think he's such a talented guy. And, um... Being a fan of comedy, been able to watch his career progress, and he's become so much more emotionally vulnerable on stage as of late. Uh, as his style has changed from more of like a one-liner style to like a storytelling, very invested style. And he used to play guitar too um, on stage, and he's gone away from that. And uh, it's really interesting to watch his progression, and also interesting with him because his background is uh, very Christian. Like he started doing comedy at like Christian camps. So uh, it's been interesting to, or it was interesting to ask him what role religion played in his life then and plays now as an adult, you know, in Hollywood, which is not the easiest place to be religious. Talk about a bunch of stuff. You guys, um, we're going to have a season finale in a couple of weeks. After episode 55, I believe, we're going to take a break and come back with more episodes. In the meantime, man, let all your let all your people know. Go through the archives. Please continue to rate and review on iTunes and let people know. The podcast has been going great lately, man. Thank you guys for supporting our sponsors. That means a ton. And the new album is out. Speaking of iTunes and ratings and reviews, Hella Personal Film Festival, the collaboration between myself and Paul White, is available now on your iTunes and your Bandcamp and your Pootifies. However, you deliver music to your own face. Check it out. It's been going well, well received. I'll be playing these songs at these shows around. I'll be good. And speaking of shows around, I told you guys last week the secret words so that you may learn the secret, secret skin handshake. Come to the merch booth. Whisper in my ear the word scuttlebutt. And I'll teach you the handshake. I've only taught two people so far. So there's only three real fans of the show. That's, that's, uh, that's how, uh, do ego math <laughs> come to the show come to the merch booth i'll show you the handshake so there can be more three of us who know the truth gonna get into my talk with nick thune now it's a great conversation it took place in la at his studio space gonna talk to nick thune right now Gonna talk to Nick Dunn right now. Cause there's a secret radio hour. There's a secret radio hour. And this is it. I think the first time I saw you was it like had to be like 2010. Um, I think it was at the Improv. 
Oh yeah, maybe. I, I, Do you I go want, to a lot of comedy shows? No, like at the improv. Or? I, no, I, I didn't. But and I was trying to think of why I was there, and I think it had to be that that uh that Hannibal was in town. Hannibal, because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I've been his friend. I've known him for a long time. Um, and when he used to come play, I used to go to all of his gigs. So I think it had to be a show that you and him were on together. I remember um, when I met Hannibal, it was such a funny moment because I didn't know him, had heard of him. And then I just got a call like a day. I was doing some college show in upstate New York and my agent called me. He's like, hey, I'm going to send this guy up to like just open the show up. Hannibal Barras. And I was like, weird. cool. Yeah, sure. And the guy came and he was like so, so funny. That I would call my agent, I was like, "You just sent like a funnier dude here <laughs> to open for me. Like, what do you? I mean, yeah, it made me want to be better, but like, <laughs> yeah. it's like a weird missile. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which I like that now. Actually, I like being. I like having somebody open for me that's funnier or just funny in general. Like, just makes me better. I think you mm. know. Where if I follow somebody where I'm like backstage pacing, like angry, like. What was that? Right. What was that joke? Right, right, right. I don't know. Right, right. You want the bar kind of set high? Yeah, because then it just keeps going higher, right. I think. And right. the audience is like having a great, like, you come up and they're bored in any way. It's like, oh, God, I got to dig out of this. Exactly. Yeah, oh, right. It starts, start high instead of at a deficit. But um, I was, I was really like instantly a fan because I, oh, thank you. I have always been really into like one line stuff. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like just those kind of thoughts and, turns of phrase and all of that um and you were doing a lot of that at the time and like now when i came to uh you know i was doing some research to come do the interview i was looking at some of your more recent stuff and it's a lot more like storytelling it seems yeah has, has that been like a conscious decision to move from one it was form a into big the big conscious choice of i mean I, I bet that you go through this too with like album wise but i didn't want to put out a third album that's that was just different words but the same as my last two Right. I got it. You know, like, and I don't know. The funny thing is, is it, I really believe in what I'm doing right now. And more than I think I ever believed in anything I did. Like, I feel like I'm me for the first time on stage without any sort of facade or, or anything, whether that's good or bad, which whether it's good or bad doesn't even matter to me. It just right. feels right. It feels good. Cause looking at the, the, the change in style from one liners to storytelling, it seems like in like a one-liner style, it, there's there's like a lot of defense. There's a lot of like there's a lot of space between who you are as a person in the crowd when the jokes are you know so tightly constructed and 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 a lot of misdirect. So you're right, like right. trying to create almost a fake <clears throat> scenario or world that you can bring back to reality in a way. You know, right. like <clears throat> yeah, it's. yeah. The one-liner thing too, though, is so fun. Every now of and course. again, I I go back and like. And do it, and it's like just like one night I'll just pop a few off or something. Like I mean, and it I, feels you know, good. They're great. I mean, they're I think they're they're excellent. Act like as a joke form, I love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. But I could see how, in terms of the vulnerability of an artist, a creator, and wanting to be more emotionally present with people, you would want to kind of go away from that. Yeah. And, and has that been the result? Yeah. It and well. There's different scenarios in that where the result is I do feel more vulnerable. Whereas like before, I feel like people come up to me and be like, you know, like, God, you just like, not like you tricked me, but like, yeah, you kept me surprised all night. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't think I know who you are. Right. Whereas now people come up to me afterwards and it's like, wow, you were just very vulnerable for an hour and talked about like 
there's moments where I'm like really trying to find like these things about myself that I absolutely despise. Mm. And one situation is that I, I think you might have seen me do this actually at some weird show downtown LA, uh, maybe, but I saw a guy about to commit suicide off a bridge in Portland. I was in, the ca- in a cab driving mm. over the bridge and there were two cops talking to this guy and he's like back facing over the bridge and, and without thinking, without doing anything, I grab my phone and take three pictures as we drive by. Mm-hmm like a fucking right maniac like i'm ashamed that that was my and the joke is it's like well what did i think it was going to be like throwback thursday r.i.p buddy right you know like what in my mind like for social media or you know and i'm like kind of going through this whole like this suicide story too which is fucking brutal to do on stage because the thought of even mentioning suicide and one person in the audience is like i know someone who did it i can't listen anymore to what you're saying right they tune out immediately which recently somebody came up to me afterwards and they're like listen my sister attempted suicide and the second you started the story i thought not gonna like this and then in the end i thought how wrong i was to judge you immediately because in the end it's not even a suicide story it's a story of a guy trying to get attention so that he can tightrope walk off on a tightrope that he'd set up the night before Hmm. so he's just waiting for a crowd to gather wow (laughs) you know so like in the end it's like He's the enemy, the guy that we're like hoping for. We wish he would have killed himself right. in a way, right? Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> he's making us think he's he's manipulating us. Emotionally. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm trying to find like navigating through that story, which is so fun because it is dangerous and it has been pretty hit or miss. But it's getting a lot more hit than it used to be. But what makes it being dangerous more rewarding? If you find the coat, like if you find the way through it, to where in the end people were like. God, I should have trusted you. I knew it. Like, right. you know, or I don't know, like this one thing I'm doing right now is a little bit based off church and growing up in church and like my struggles right now with religion mm-hmm. and a little bit of what I think of the business of the organization of church compared to who Jesus actually wanted to be around. Right. He didn't want to be around middle class fucking bullshit Christians. Right. I know that for a fact. Hookers and drugged, you know what I mean? Like. Right. Those are the people he was around. So like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know if this is ever going to work, but I'm going into this youth pastor thing where I am, a, I'm doing my first sermon as a, as a youth pastor to wow. the audience. Oh, so, okay. To the and audience. so like the audience is this high school group that I am like, you know, and I, it starts off with like basically like an old one liner, like I would do where I say, all right, everybody bow your heads. And the prayer is just simple. Like, dear Jesus, thank you for these noodles. Raw men. I'm just kidding guys. I'm pastor Nick. I like to have fun. I like, <laughs> I like pho, I like ramen, I like all the soups. We should get together. And, all the soups. <laughs> you know, like, and so like kind of this misdirect into it. But then in the end, it's all about people getting their current location on their iPhone and saying, and that's where Jesus is. Uh. Jesus is in all of our current locations. But the problem is, is you are so fucking basic. He doesn't even want to be next to you. <laughs> and so I'm like trying to set up the end of the bit to where it's a job fair after the sermon where we're going to have some prostitutes and some drug dealers. And I want you guys to see where you would fit best. Mm. Um, we will have a couple lepers back there. Touch them if you feel like that's your direction, you know. But so far it has not hit. The last, <laughs> the last part's not hit. There's a lot of bits in the beginning where people come up to me like, man, I grew up in the church. Like that meant a lot what you just like, you just tapped into something like, that that took me back to you know like and i guess that's when in a song or nostalgia like that is a fun thing to tap into where mm-hmm. somebody comes out like i think my first bit that i ever did was all nostalgia based which was this story over instant messenger of a kid that met a girl 
turns out it was his neighbor. And mm. it's like, you know, you mentioned like the 1500 free minutes in AOL that your dad got you at the grocery store. And like, you know, all these things where everyone's like, oh my God, I remember. People connect to it. Yeah. And so now it's hard. I'm trying not to hit that on such a basic level of like member instant messenger, but it's a little bit more like, hey, church, you know, like. I think a lot of people have their own vision of church, but I think in the end it kind of all comes down the same path, even if you go there or not. Like, it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think that there was anything ever boring about God. So, like, mm. like to me, it, it that's why I haven't been in a church in 10 years now. I don't know, you know. But religion is still a pretty prominent part of your life. I think so. I, You know, like, it. yesterday I found myself thinking, like, man, you know, maybe it yesterday would be Yesterday being Easter, once again, yeah. let, oh, me, yeah, let, me, let me establish that. I thought about it. I was like, maybe I should take my son to church today. You know, like I loved it when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I fucking loved it. I loved the kids that I met that didn't go to my school. I felt like, like I knew, like, you know, that moment when you meet somebody that's not in your neighborhood, right. that is never going to be connected to them. You're like, it's almost like you're worldly all of a sudden. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my God, this guy goes to Lake Washington high school. I heard about those guys, right. you know, like anyway. So that, I want my son to have that experience mm -hmm. of like. You know. I enjoy I enjoyed church a lot as a child too, and 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 now that you say that, it is mostly because of the social interaction interactions mm -hmm. with other kids um, that was like formative, in a way. Um, and then actually my uh, my my father is a church pastor. Yeah, what kind of what kind of church? Uh, AME. What's that? Is that like a Methodist? Yeah, or? African Methodist yeah. Episcopal. He's got a mm -hmm. church in, in in Long Beach. He's the pastor of. But it was weird because in my life. Uh, he was always somewhat religious, but he didn't really get deep into it until I was in like high school. Mm -hmm. He was like he had that kind of calling, um, and he went really deep in that direction. And I went completely the opposite, you know. So, I mean, it's interesting. Is I he go, proud of what you do? He doesn't really know what I do, and it's not that like he knows what I do for a living, mm -hmm. but I've never like given him my music to listen to, and yeah, and he. Half doesn't know how to seek it out on his own. Half probably doesn't want to, and I'm fine with that too. I'm mm -hmm. definitely fine with that with that distance because I don't. I wouldn't want to make music like my dad was listening. You know, I feel like that might that might hamper me in in, in some some fashion. Yeah, you know what that reminds me of the feeling of playing in a city where you don't know anyone and playing in your hometown. Right. I don't. Yeah, you don't want to write something like the guy that you went to junior high with is going to be there watching. I don't know. Like it's. It's nowhere near your dad or whatever, but, but I think it, it is this weird thing of like this freedom of right. of anonymity and you know, I, I mean, right now I'm I'm currently I, when I write stuff I'm basically writing it for myself. Mm -hmm. um, I think to you know, and I'm gonna I'm sure he's gonna end up hearing stuff someday when he's ready to do that, <laughs> and that's fine. You know, but we have he might have dipped into a YouTube video. He maybe he maybe has, and I'm sure it's like I'm. I'm Somebody has to have shown him something. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm certain of it, and I think he's 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 come to one of my shows one time, and that was fun. It was, I was doing this like all ages kind of community center mm -hmm. kind of show anyway, so it was just all cool. So you were like, basically, you were also kind of like bringing it down a little bit too. Definitely to, to like all ages. Yeah, this is cool for everybody level. Mm -hmm. You know, so that worked out okay, but. How we are about my music is kind of how we are about religion, too. Like, he, I think he understands on a very basic level that the skeptic I am is mostly because of him. Mm -hmm. Like, in general, he just implanted skepticism of everything in my mind. Um, 
so he doesn't pressure me or or really judge me at all for my own beliefs and uh and it kind of goes that way with him we kind of have a an understanding in -hmm. most things and that's one of them too i bet there's a lot of people at a church that pray for you on a weekly basis yeah yeah they come up and tell Mm -hmm. me so actually i go see him every sunday at church i just stop by before he like walks in Mm -hmm. you know i spend 10 15 minutes with him do you go watch his sermon or no no i used to at his old church i used to do sound Mm -hmm. so and i used to record the sermons and all of that so i used to hear everything and i haven't since he's been at this new church it's been like two three years now i haven't that's pretty interesting too like what kind of a i'm thinking like because watching his sermon would a lot be like him coming to see you perform, I guess, in a way. Like, I wonder if he puts as much creative energy into... I always wonder that about pastors in general, but... You yeah, know, he, he, it, definitely, he definitely pours over these things, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at least from the night before going into that morning. He's definitely trying to craft something. And it's just, it's a lot like stand-up, it's a lot like performing. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen his journey in that, because I used to see him preach all the time. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like to to take any idea and try to form it and try to learn the different crafts and and learn the different machinery of of delivering the sermon and all of that. It's it's definitely been a journey for him. Yeah, that the whole way that I get into that bit is is another insecurity that I never really wanted to talk about, which is I just I didn't go to college and it's in it and growing up it definitely made me feel lesser then mm. and. And so now, like, wondering if comedy doesn't work out, what is a plan B? Because I never, I would never, I don't really care about a plan B. I don't plan on one. But, like, I always thought being a pastor, like, being a youth pastor, and, and the whole crux of it is just feeling like I am I look cool enough to where any church would be like, yeah, you could be a youth yeah, pastor. Yeah, we'll give them <laughs> <laughs> You'll bring a lot of kids to yeah. Jesus, in turn, which will make their parents come to our church. And, uh, <laughs> right. and they'll give us money. That was when my parents started going to church. I met some, like, they kind of, like, took us to youth group, and then... I got so involved because they were like letting me play music. So like I learned how to play guitar in junior high at church right. uh, in front of people, you know, like that's how I learned how to talk. And in, in high school and college, I did announcements mm. and I started this thing that was called MAMS, which was making announcements matter somehow. And I would go on stage and it was like a bit, but it was like me doing stand up essentially my first like these stupid announcements that were like, <laughs> and, and one, one other announcement guys, um, no need to donate any money this week. And then afterwards I'm like, yeah, we're going to still pass it around. <laughs> that wasn't one of the announcements that we discussed. And <laughs> thanks Nick. <laughs> well, at this time, I mean, how, how, so, you know, you're there socially having all these different experiences that are, that are opening up your creativity. Mm-hmm. How important is the actual religion itself to you at that time when you're growing up? Well, without the the worst kind of like not even showboating, but like just stupid teenager details to the story, I forgot about something. And this was when I was the most involved in church. I was 18, mm-hmm. and my dad brought it up to me this weekend, and he brought it up to me, and he, this is the way he brought it up to me. We were having a cigar and vodka on the deck. <laughs> and he said, did you quit the Subaru dealership? He got me a job at a Subaru dealership. Did, did you quit the job by telling the owner that you had AIDS? Whoa. And I said, yeah, and we never discussed that. Wow. And to go back, this was when I was the most, my biggest time in church. 
And I hooked up with a girl at, on a family vacation on a golf course and got chlamydia. Mm-hmm. And didn't know what it was. Went in and got tested. Also was selling dealers, selling cars at a Subaru dealership my senior year in high school, which was fun and during the summer. And then it was the most burdened. I'm this 18-year-old kid who's wants to get six by nines in my Jetta. Right. And these dudes are like trying to support their stepkids and their families. And I'm like trying to get a sale, you know. And uh, I wanted to quit, but I, I was so narcissistic and probably am still in some stupid way to where I didn't think that he would accept me quitting. I didn't think he would. I think he'd be just so disappointed and like just to go in and say, I just want to be a senior in high school. Like right. that's the best way to quit. So what I, I had to go get an STD test and they'd made, they did a blood test and I hadn't heard. I was two days. So I was going to hear back. And in those two days, a little bit, I could, I knew I didn't have AIDS but, or HIV, but a little bit in my mind, I could feel maybe. Mm. And so I went and sat in this guy's office and cried in front of his desk. Wow. Probably my first acting gig. <laughs> and told him that I had HIV. And he came over and cried with me and sat with me and said, I understand that you can't work here anymore. There's, I mean, that basically is the best reason to not have to work. You got a lot going on. And I went home that night and this guy who my dad knows because they're in the same business. My dad got me the job. The guy called my dad to console him for his son having HIV. Whoa. And the only time we ever spoke about it was my dad making me call him and tell him that I had lied. Wow. And then we'd never spoken about it since. And so this, this weekend on the deck, we had a real good laugh about it. <laughs> it, was this, like, it was this like great moment of like... Yeah, but at the time, there I was having unprotected sex with some girl on a family vacation, and I was also leading junior high kids every Sunday in worship. Mm. So, like, how seriously how, did I how take was it, yeah. the rules? I believe and believed in in a in an almighty God yeah. that is bigger than me and that I will ever be, and that loves me. But I don't think that I ever believed he was that concerned about whether or not I was smoking cigarettes or... I do think that he was. I do think that he's concerned in the example that I'm leading. If I'm going to be a good father or a good husband, right? And at the time, I feel like having unprotected sex on a golf course in Sun River, Oregon, was being a good teenager. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that God was like, "Yeah, get it out, buddy." <laughs> Smiling down on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Parents are back at the cabin. Here you are, this girl you met at the candy store. Good, good job. <laughs> So, so what is, so does that put you in a position where you have to establish your own rules with, in in terms of how you feel about the faith or? It's weird about rules because I will talk with like, I have a friend that's a pastor, my roommate in Seattle and my wife too. It's, she was brought up in a Christian school and a Christian college. Was it all private? Now, uh, your, what was was what denomination did you? It was just non-denominational. Okay, it was like Judeo-Christian. Okay. essentially, it was like, you know, maybe like there's Unitarian. Like four, there's like four people in the church that would raise their hands in a song. Okay. Everyone else was just kind of like, you know, yeah, we'll stand for this one. Great, cool, yeah. <laughs> All right, sit right back down, huh? All right. <laughs> now, what was what was her? Uh, was it same similar? thing? Okay. Same thing. Totally bland. Just like basic. That's what I like. It's the most basic version of Christianity where. I don't know, this verse that I can never forget mm-hmm. is in Revelation, I think it's like 320 something, where be hot or be cold. 
because if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my fucking mouth. And, you know, like that's how I read it. Like, Mm -hmm. fuck you for being in the middle. Right. You're this or you're this. You're either on fire or you turn your back. Mm -hmm. And I also like feel like I'm pretty lukewarm guy (laughs) when it comes to God sometimes, you know, like. Because it's pretty easy to be like, yeah, I believe it. I'm not going to go mess with with you know, like, but shit, I've been in, I've been in the Philippines two times for three weeks at a time with street kids, helping them learn how to climb on a climbing wall, like somewhere outside of Manila, and singing worship songs and praying with them to accept Jesus in their heart. Mm. You know, like, so I've kind of been at like every full end of it, and I I I feel like the rules that I've made up for myself is that as long as I'm a good person and as long as I'm not malicious in any way to the people that love me and trust me, then I think God's okay with that. You, sir, are known for being a musical comedian or yeah, it's funny, like, comedy musician. How yeah, do you, like, yeah, I don't know how, do how to put it? that. Yeah. I do know that like, I love the music Like that somebody brought me up the other day as like a musical comedian. I was like, first of all, I'm not playing guitar anymore. You don't you don't play guitar anymore. No, okay, wow. at least for this, you know, this phase. Yeah, I'll tell you what though. I did the other day. They had one there for me. I was like, yeah, put it on stage, and and I did like ten minutes with it. And I was like, God, that was so fucking easy. Mm. Like I forgot how easy that was to just like sit back and like really take my time. With yeah, things. create your own pace. Yeah. Really. yeah. Whereas like now it's like so driven on tone and which I love too. But like yeah, I I my, my favorite thing I've done musically was. Do you know who Richard Swift is? No. He um, is this musician that lives in Cottage Grove, Oregon, that has produced a lot of different people's stuff, and he also plays in the Black Keys right now. Okay. Like, is one of the, like he's like I think he plays bass for them or piano, but and he played for the Shins, and he's just like a guy that's like a utility guy that people will bring in, but he's put out like seven solo albums, and he's his taste is crazy. But I got a hold of him somehow through his manager, I think, and went up and lived with him for a week, and he recorded these like four or five songs that I put on my first album that mm-hmm. were like studio things and i really liked it and none of them were like adam sandler type songs like there was a song that was called iron man right I is, heard that, yeah. yeah so like that like it was like that kind of tone you know where it's like here's a subject and here's this weird side to it like right. what is it like to like an like an the, just man. like the premise just just trying to go on yeah sincerely with that premise yeah like yeah. what does it mean to dedicate your life to being an iron man? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that was fun. That's the most fun I've ever had musically. But like, I, I'm doing like that show Baked. I don't know if you've heard of that show. No, that, that the dude that does Metal Apocalypse. Oh yeah, yeah. And Steve Ag like do like you go up with like you do ten minutes of stand up, then you just sing a song with them. Okay, nice. And I think like Bill Burr plays drums, and it's pretty fun. Like, it's, it's here in LA. Yeah. Where is yeah. it at? They just did it at the Improv, but they've been doing it at Baked Potato or some weird venue in Burbank. Okay. Um. I got to look it up, but you should go check it out. It's like a really fun show. And that dude from Metal Apocalypse, I can't think of his name right now. but Brendan Small. Yeah, Brendan Small. Yeah. yeah. He's so brilliant and yeah. good. He's incredible. He's been starting to do stand-up, but that's been kind of I did a stand-up watch. show with him. Well, I was a musical guest on a show he was mm-hmm. on up in uh, Portland. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm a huge fan of that guy. That guy, too. So what, I mean, what made you want to get rid of the guitar currently? Well, there was an embarrassing side to other comedians like i wondered about that because i could just imagine that like yeah you know if 
that, that they would treat it like a gimmick and then try to mm-hmm. condescend based well, on Well, like Mark Maron, that's the first thing he did to me on, on his podcast was just immediately nag me into like this <laughs> thing. Like, you know, but the, I think that he was genuinely surprised that my response was just a very genuine, like, yeah, I just, that's what I, I like to do. And at the time, it's what I did. And I just, it, it kind of came out of church where I would right. like go on stage and like I loved. And I do this kind of in my church bit now where I'm like, it's my first day as a pastor and I walk on stage and they're just finishing up Come Thou Fount. And it's like, you know, let's keep that bass going a little bit. <laughs> Nibble on those pianos. And like the thought of like the pastor that continues to speak while the band's going, just I loved it. I yeah. just like, I'm in the back like, yes, <laughs> like I feel everything you're saying so much more. And like, that's what brought that into my standup essentially was my first bit that I ever did that was a written bit was at community college that I went to for a semester and I was in this class and it was like a DECA class. Do you remember DECA from high I school? I don't know what DECA is. It was like a marketing class where okay. they're like teaching you like how to promote and market and do like th- fun, interesting things, you know, like put on an event or, you know, and, and uh, my job for the whole semester was to put together a sandwich feed Okay. for the homeless. And I, at the time was a very picky eater and would only eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I hated mustard. I hated every condiment that went with it. I didn't like any other sandwich besides peanut butter and jelly. So my whole thing, I had to go give a speech to the class the two days before the sandwich feed. And I basically went up and I brought, uh, the night before I wrote this song about peanut butter and what it meant to me. Because I, I went up and started the whole thing off like, a lot of questions. What? Why not? Why aren't we doing turkey? Like, where, <laughs> where's the ham? And I'm going to tell you guys right now, we don't need it. We don't. Peanut butter has meant so much to me and to share you guys a little, you know, here, here's a story. And I broke my guitar out and the teacher's like, what is, and I just started like picking along and told the story of how I got gum stuck in my hair when I was in junior high on the school bus. And I came home and, and my mom and, you know, like there's all this backstory, like how my parents had just recommitted their marriage for the third time, like just dumb kind of stuff that was more my style of comedy, but. And then in the end, my mom tries to cut the gum out and my dad comes home from work because she was using ice and it just made it harder. (laughs) My first hard joke was my dad came in and there's my mom holding a pair of scissors and he grabbed them out of his hand, out of her hands and he threw them out the window. Side note, window was closed. (laughs) And that was like this big laugh. And I was like, oh shit, that's cool. And then in the end, my parents recommit their marriage for the fourth time. My dad got the gum out of my hair with peanut butter. And the whole song was this tribute to like peanut butter. And that's why we're doing this sandwich feed. And anyway, like afterwards, I just thought like, God, that was so fun. And then somebody's like, do you ever do like open mics? And I was like, no, I shouldn't. So I basically like workshopped that for six months at open mics around town, like poetry open mics, musical open mics, never comedy. Because hmm. I thought it was so fun to go in as like almost like a storytelling troubadour, right. Right. you know, that took himself very seriously <laughs> and, and like. And then I told the the first thing I did on The Tonight Show, which is that instant messenger story I brought up earlier. I told that at a high school youth group camp. I wrote it in a day and told it to the kids. And instant messenger was so popular at the point like that it just worked. And then when I got down to L.A., like maybe two years later, I was like, oh, yeah, what was that instant messenger? And I found the piece of paper I'd written it on. And yeah, a year later, I was on The Tonight Show. It was wow. just so crazy. Like you know how that kind of transformed and that's that kind of built my style and then i started i was obsessed with zach galifianakis mm-hmm. 
And that's kind of where I think a lot of the one-liner stuff started coming from, like Mitch Hedberg. You oh, know? Mitch, yeah, of course, of course. And Mitch and Zach's style is so different. They're very different. And then you got like Anthony Jeselnik doing it a whole different yeah. way. Stephen and, Wright did it a whole different way. And Anthony and I were starting at the same time together. Right. And so we were like both going up and doing our one-liner shtick back-to-back at a coffee, like Buzz Coffee down on Beverly. And it was always kind of funny, like... We definitely were nemesis yeah, yeah, yeah. right at first. And You're like the good guy, and he's like the bad I guy. I know. And then we started touring <laughs> together, and we became really like good friends. And it's so funny how sweet he is. Yeah, like, he's great. Yeah. I, one time, I, I got really drunk on a flight to New York, and I was going to be staying with him in Morgan Murphy's apartment. She just got a job writing on a TV show in L.A., kept her apartment. And I got off... I got off... The, I forgot how I got... I got somewhere, and I was just so drunk. I was like, Anthony... I can't make it there. Hmm. Like it's raining out and I just, I don't know how to get there. I can't figure it out. And then he's like, okay, where are you? And I like was looking up and he, he was there like 15 minutes later and he wow. took me back. He'd already ordered a pizza. Wow. He's like, get in bed, take a nap, woke up, pizza's just ready. And he just like fathered me in a way where I was like, you're like, you've been through this before, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, and his public persona certainly doesn't give out that he has no. any sort of nurturer in him no, at all. So, he does, really. He's really such a nice guy. So, I, You know, you, you brought up your instant messenger story. And I'm not familiar with that story. But you said you wrote it. So is that is that a true story? Or is that one made or fictional? No, it's a fictional. Like, okay. everything that I did in my first two specials, everything's fixed. Like, okay. So I did tell it. Like, there was, there was this version that's moved into, like... I did that on my first album, and then I did this misconnections bit where okay. I'm actually reading these misconnections, and then in the end, I do one live in the moment, like me, yellow shirt, front row at the show. <laughs> you were the lady behind me with the blue hat on, or right. whatever. And then I'm like tying two people in the audience together, and so those were kind of the same bit but different, essentially. And then I did um, this fake story about um, this guy doing a backflip, me doing a backflip at a bank to save this baby's life. And it's like this stupid kind of, but it's, they, those were kind of, at the time it was like one-liners or these weird, long, longer, longer five minute kind of bit stories or whatever. Are your, are your, the stories that you're doing now, are those more true? Or, are, Cause they seem All to be true. more from your life. They're right? from real. And there's definitely like a joke, you know, like there's jokes. In of them, course. But, of course. But like, you know, really the, to me, the truth of it. And the funny thing is, is I didn't have permission for my wife to start doing those at right, first, which right. you kind of have to get and which I've realized like, and she just told me I couldn't talk about something that happened to us that was so insane that it, it kills me inside to know that I can't. <laughs> you, can't talk. you know, it's funny because I was looking at your, um, one of your Tonight Show bits today uh, and it was a story about when the dog oh the eweed brownie yeah oh my god that was so hilarious I'm a, I'm an edibles guy like that's, mm-hmm. that's my hang mm-hmm. um, so I was just so there, like I got it, and then the dog, yeah, you know, I, it, I fantastic, and it reminded me of this story in my life that I've never told anybody. Well, I've told like four people because I used to be so terribly embarrassed about it, and I still am a little bit. But now so much time has passed, mm-hmm. and I understand that I didn't do that much damage. But um, I wanted to share it with you, yes, <laughs> you, and and as a well, I. It's so funny because it's like one of those stories where I want to just say what happened first and then tell you why it happened rather mm-hmm. than tell a conventional story. But basically, I got my baby drunk. Ooh. I'm a baby drunk by accident, of course. Yeah. I got him so drunk when he was like, he was like 18 months. Oh, God. 
I had a buddy in town uh, that I went to college with. He was in the Marines. He was down in like that Oceanside base. And uh, we had him over at our house. And he made a bunch of sangria. And uh, he ended up putting it in a normal juice bottle. And it was kind of the same color. And um, when I poured my kid's bottle, I poured I poured him a sangria bottle. And he drank about a third of it before I realized, like, why is... Why does breath smell like? Oh my god! <laughs> what was his reaction? I mean, he just—he was just uh, suddenly less coordinated, and he—it really just not. Sangria is just red wine, right? Um, I don't really know. I don't I, know. It smells like wine. Yeah, it's It's a wine base. Thing. Yeah, and it's got like yeah. fruit in it and stuff. Yeah, there's no liquor. Yeah. So yeah, he that's. Just, he just I mean, out. I got my baby drunk is a great line in a chorus, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now it can be told. I mean, now, now I'm telling the world. Yeah, but I, I got inspired by your, uh, your dog. The vulnerability. Week. Yeah. Well, you know what inspired me to to be real, and I, maybe I should tell Hannibal this at some point. But I just couldn't fucking believe that he was on stage telling people that he pissed his pants on ecstasy. Yeah. And I remember seeing that like, okay, I I peed my pants before as an adult. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, it's happened. It's embarrassing. Yeah. But like his vulnerability in that moment was like, God, what what risk am I? How am I being vulnerable right, right. now? You know, like because it feels so good when you are like it just feels so good that that you like you own it, right? You know, like the owning of it and like saying like fuck you, I don't care. Yeah, I piss my pants. <laughs> yeah, I mean there there's there's a certain there's a certain strength or, or victory in conquering embarrassment. especially because yeah. like in in some senses like short of death, being embarrassed seems like the worst. Thing you can be mm-hmm. and when yeah and when you own it it's just it's incredible like i had I have this song about this one time when um i was in detroit and i was sound checking and um the stage was kind of high and i was like i had just been dr- driving all day and i was feeling kind of like spry and so i like leaped up onto the stage rather than take the stairs and my fucking pants just exploded <laughs> <laughs> Like if there was like a split with the scene, but they just completely just wait sound check. Yeah, so okay. so it's not a room full of people, but there's bands, there's there's yeah, yeah. you know there's and I I didn't have any more pants with me, so I had to just I had to walk to my car, find a Target, drive there, get out and go buy pants like with with my all of my. Thank God you had time. Yeah, thank God I had time. Thank God I had time. It's funny, like, I was doing a show recently where my zipper was down, and I questioned it in the first five minutes, because I saw somebody, like, it seemed like somebody was laughing at something that wasn't necessarily what I was talking about. Right, right. Got it. <laughs> yep. And then I kind of was like, no, I know, I know I took care of that. And then finally I, like, did, like, a nonchalant turnaround. I was like, oh, my God, yeah. And then it was like, okay, right now I could just zip it up and act like I didn't notice, but actually letting them in on you know just basically that moment of like here's what happened my zipper was down that was really funny that's embarrassing i don't know but like <laughs> i've had a few moments like that on stage where it's like i almost vomited on stage actually recently wow uh, stomach it was a stu- i didn't know it was a stomach flu i was like man this is like a bad hangover because mm. a friend of mine was in town and then i ended up having the stomach flu for like three days but i i had to just end my set and i vomited out the side door while I was still on stage. Get out. And I just went back on like, all right, yeah, I just threw up. I think I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, that's, I think that's a great lesson to leave people with, man, is lean into the vulnerability. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, it's funny too because the, the second that you do that, like one bit, like because just the first inclination of being vulnerable in front of public, it actually gets you pretty excited. Like, okay, what else in my life is hmm. is have I been scared to talk about that might actually be freeing to do on stage? I don't know, you know. Yeah, so I've been like racking my brain, and that one thing my wife won't let me talk about. Oh, it sucks kills me well my mom that's funny because you you said that you need to get permission and i didn't ask permission to tell that story about how i got my baby drunk so i might i might be getting in trouble after this you could ask you can edit yeah i guess i can i should but then you got to edit this part yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> edit the part where you talk about editing <laughs> but you know what though it's not like it's not like there's anything like you did anything wrong no i just yeah, i was just, it was a horrible oversight is what it was was so, your wife around or girl, no. girlfriend or wife 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 yeah but mm-hmm. yeah later I definitely had to tell her I got the baby drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> definitely couldn't just tuck that one away. <laughs> they used to give babies alcohol all the time. And I, and that's the thing that I used to comfort myself with, but I was also horribly embarrassed. Like, hor- like I used to beg her never to tell that to anybody. Yeah. Because I felt so fucking awful. Like, you know, when you have a baby, you, you, you said your kid's what, two and a half? Two and a half, yeah. You know, that first year, it's like you're just trying to protect this. Alive. So, like, all of your energy. And, like, mm-hmm. to think that we have all this safety equipment. Everything in the house is all, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I got the baby drunk. You need that, though. Because if I hadn't, if our dog hadn't eaten that weed brownie, I, who knows what kind of a father I'd be. Like, that just woke me up in every way. Like, uh. oh, my God. Like, yeah. I need to make sure that these things aren't just easily accessible to small things, you know? Well, um, anything you want to let people know? I just hope people come to my shows and give me a shot, you know? (laughs) 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 Just give me a shot. That's all I care about, really, like, is live performance. I mean, I, God, I would love to make a ton of money in a movie or, like, yeah, you. I mean, have a TV show. But you've you've done a fair amount of acting. Yeah, I've got it, and I love it. It's yeah. really fun, but it all comes back to me to the freedom of the thing that I have that is special about me, which I think is going on stage. Right. Where, like, when I'm in a movie and the other actors are around, and they're like, it's so funny how they're just like, "Dude, I don't know how you do it, man. I fucking respect you more than anything because of." And it's like, well, it's not that big of a deal, but. <laughs> You know, but it's like to have that little extra tool that is different. It just helps me feel like, you know what? I have that. I'm glad right. I have that. And nobody can take it. And you don't really have to no. like audition for it or no shit. And it's not that impressive. It, it, I mean, I had a neighbor that was a brain surgeon, different neighbor than I talked about. Ben earlier. Carson. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he, he's a young dude who's a brain surgeon at USC and we met for the first time and he's like, well, what do you do? And I was like, Oh, I do stand up. Com- I didn't know what he did yet. And I was like, Oh, I do stand up comedy. And he's like, Oh my fucking God, dude, that is the hardest job in the world. I respect you for that. Like, that's insane. I was like, what do you do? He's like, I'm a brain surgeon. And I was like, what? <laughs> that is the, that's the hardest. That, and, and I, I realized that for some reason, totally undeserved that people respect stand up so much. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I, know I, why. I perform rap music on stage and it is, uh, a lot easier than what you guys do. So much easier. Well, it's all relative and different, just depending mm. on what people do. Because I couldn't do that. I yeah, well, you, know. you could if you if you wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I, I suppose I could do stand, but I've tried to do a little stand up. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is fucking terrifying. Yeah, but it's easy for you, like that song where you like talk about like getting your baby shit on your hands in the beginning. Like, it's like funny and vulnerable, and like, right? You know, and that to me is like a form of 
comedy in a way. Yeah, I mean, I know? certainly work that. I mean, I, I, I have like those the same values. Thank you. I have those same values, so mm-hmm. I definitely put it in there. But like the naked delivery to an audience where there's no metronome save for like the rhythm of your own joke mm-hmm. that shit is mind-numbingly scary to me that's yeah. what's about not having the guitar that was really hard at first was mm-hmm. just not only the timing but just that moment of like oh there's nothing behind me right now to like help me yeah kind of keep this going well thanks so much for your time man i yeah. really appreciate it yeah this. Thanks, thanks for, for doing uh, this. inviting me into your space too man it's super cool yeah thank you yeah you're the first podcast here awesome breaking <laughs> podcast ground appreciate you man